0: How many of you knew that there's a fairly sophisticated science to assessing whether a witness's testimony is trustworthy? Um, It's a very sophisticated psychological science. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, o Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou. Art... So last week during the readings. Um, we heard the end of the gospel of John um, where Jesus tells Peter how um, he will glorify Jesus through his own death the manner in which his death will give glory to Christ um, as that gospel comes to its conclusion and I thank again my brother for preaching on that that kept me from needing to preach in a complete road fog so after staying up all night bu- uh, on Bucket Brigade so thank you for, for pinch hitting um as we were doing uh, that, that it lifts, lifts up for us, as we heard that reading, the issue of witness. The issue of witness. Christian uh, life, Christian faith, is rooted in the testimony of witnesses. We talked about this uh, in, a couple weeks ago in our sermon series. Um, all the sermons are on the church website, so you can always hear what's going on. I'm going to add the graphics too, because some people said they're helpful. Um, but we, today we're going to talk about the character of these witnesses. How many of you knew that there's a fairly sophisticated science to assessing whether a witness's testimony is trustworthy? It's been developed over, actually over hundreds of years. Um, it's a very sophisticated psychological science. These legal standards used to judge testimonies or um, the science of assessing witnesses. So there are six uh, basic tests that are used to assess the trustworthiness of a witness. The first is intention. Intention. Do they intend to tell the truth? We're going to go through these in future weeks. Ability. The ability to tell the truth. The character. Are they the kind of person who would tell the truth? Consistency. How consistent are their tests? This is one of the most interesting ones for me to learn about um, when I was learning the science of this. The bias test, does their bias prevent them from telling the truth? And the cover-up test, do they try to cover up things um, in their rendition of the stories? Now, today, we're going to focus only on one of these. We're going to focus on the issue of character. We're going to focus on the issue of character, the character of those early witnesses Upon whom our faith is founded. Now, the word witness um, is just the Greek word, in in Greek, is just the word martyr. So you would call a witness to the witness stand in court. They would would say, let the martyr come forward. Now, the reason why we have the sensibility, we have attached to the word martyr, is because of what happened to those early Christian witnesses in their faithfulness and their desire to give the full story about Jesus. We associate martyrdom with an innocent person dying for the sake of a good cause. And that's because of what happened to those early Christians. Okay? Now, according to legal standards, we're going to look at the character test a little bit here. So, here's one of the realities about them. They were called disciples because they followed Jesus. Jesus called them to exacting, exacting standards. When I was in seminary, um, we took our mandatory Gospels class. We covered all four Gospels. And as the semester ended up, our professor said, asked us a question. He said, which is your favorite Gospel?" And why? And we had to write an essay about that. So when we did that, we went downstairs to the coffee shop, and um, we were all talking about it. Who did you choose? Who did you choose? Only two of us picked John. I'm I'm a John geek. Um, <laughs> uh, most people picked Luke. A couple people picked Mark. Um, but when we asked my old te- my Old Testament professor was sitting there at a table in the coffee shop, and we said, you know, hey, you know, what what's, what's your favorite? And he says, thanks for a minute. And he says, well, I can tell you what my least favorite is. Okay? Matthew. It's way too demanding. And here we have this quote from the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the Gospel of Matthew. This is Jesus preaching. He says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a fairly exacting standard. But their master, the one they called master, called them too. Um so, you must be perfect that your Heavenly Father is perfect. They call these the hard sayings of Jesus for a reason. Okay, So, this is what defined them as disciples, was that they were following a guy who called them to this kind of standard of character. And as we also heard in last week's reading from the book of Acts, early on, Christianity was called the way. And it was called that by outsiders. Now, what does that tell you? Well, it tells us that it was perceived by outsiders as much as a way of life, a manner of living, as it was a particular set of beliefs or doctrinal commitments. Or the two went hand in hand. People could tell Christians by the way they acted differently from the people around them. So here you have strong social reinforcement of this be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. These people were, were reinforcing each other in their integrity of their walk. So this was a subculture that valued character, that valued character in its in its adherence. In fact it's not till the book of in the book of Acts, it's not until Acts eleven twenty six that Christians are called Christians. That's at Antioch. They're called followers of the Christ. Okay. So here we're going to look a little before and after the resurrection here. Before the resurrection, it's not a pretty picture when you look at the disciples. I always love Peter because he's always screwing up. It's my favorite part of the, he's my favorite disciple for that reason. Um, but we're going to narrowly focus in on the day of Jesus' crucifixion. Here's what we see amongst these committed early Christians. All of them run away and hide. All of them. Step one. We, see one, we see one of the twelve at the foot of the cross, very briefly. Can you remember who that is? John, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John. And the women. It's a good day, it's Mother's Day, a great day to emphasize that the women didn't run and hide. <laughs> okay? The women are seen at the foot of the cross while Jesus suffers, but not, not the disciples. Not the disciples, they're all in hiding. Now, After the resurrection, what do we see? Well, according to the oral tradition of the church, 10 of the original 12 apostles become martyrs, die as martyrs, rather than recant their conviction, change their testimony that Jesus is risen from the dead, and because of that is proven to be God's own Son. 10 out of 12. Who are the two that didn't die that way? Judas, right? Judas and John yeah yeah Judas hangs himself John lives to be an old man he's he's the youngest apostle um, at the time of Jesus's earthly ministry you can always tell him in an icon because he's always done up like a young man he's the only one done without a beard um, he's probably scholars think he might have been around 16 he lives to be an old man but he does endure a great deal of suffering um, as in order to, to hold fast to his conviction that Jesus is risen from the dead. So something happens between the before and the after to change their character. Okay? And we're going to look at some of these people. I'm only going to look at five of these early martyrs because these are the ones who have the best historical Evidence surrounding the way they died, apart from the oral tradition of the stories the church has told over the years. So, um, since we talked about Saint Peter last week, you heard that reading last week. We're going to start with Saint Peter. Uh, this is a wonderful picture by Peter Gandolfi. Um, I'm using all these wonderful things. They're in the. They're old, so they're all on. You don't need to pay license fees to so use this artwork, which is great. Um, this is a wonderful picture by Peter Gandolfi. Um, Christian history is blessed that so many have given themselves to. Um, pictures of faith. So let's talk about Peter, this Simon the son of Jonah, as his other name is. Um, he dies in around 66 AD in Rome, okay? Uh, 30 odd years, uh, 33 odd years after Jesus' death and resurrection. He's one of the earliest attestations, earliest written accounts we have of his martyrdom. That's the reading you heard last week, John 21 18 and 19. But there are lots of records of his martyrdom outside of the Bible, okay? Here's some of them. He's attested to by Clement of Rome, Ignatius, Dionysius of Corinth, Irenaeus, Tertullian. All of these people attest to the fact that he dies. And of course, the picture here is how he dies they were going to crucify him he was not a Roman citizen so he could be crucified and he said no please 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 don't I am not worthy to die the way my Lord did crucify me upside down I learned from my children um, from some of the YouTube science things they watch that actually a person hung upside down like this can only live about 8 hours and then they die um, your body actually relies on gravity to help move your blood around so if you hang a person upside down they will die after about 8 hours so believe it or not that actually means he, that Peter died faster than the average crucifixion Christ only lasted 3 hours till he gave up his spirit but an average crucifixion could last up to a week while well, the person was tor- tortured to death so that's Peter but of course Peter is not the earliest record we have of a martyr um, the first martyr in Scripture is, of course, Stephen. Okay, here we have a wonderful picture by Rembrandt of the stoning of Stephen. Um, he's a deacon in the church. He's also called the proto martyr. When you hear a tag, a, ta- a title attached to his name, the word "proto" means first. So he's the first martyr. This is probably around a. Uh, we'll talk about that. Stoned after his trial before the Sanhedrin, um, we have his testimony in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts 7, 54-60 recounts his actual death. He, he prays for his, those who are killing him, just as Jesus did. Um, and then, uh, this is probably right around 34 AD, so around a year, within the year, after Jesus' death and resurrection. So he's the first um, to die for the sake of his testimony to Christ and his resurrection. And another one recounted for us in Scripture is, of course, James. Um, this is The Martyrdom of James by Francisco de Zoboran. Um, if you're not familiar with the way the iconography works in older uh, paintings, this angel is bringing the crown of martyrdom in there um, to place upon the head he's about to lose. Um, we're told in the book of Acts that Herod Agrippa um, James this is James by the way the brother of John the son of Zebedee was killed by Herod Agrippa at, or at his command um, Herod ordered him to be killed by the sword um, and this is recounted for us in Acts 12 too. and he dies around AD. so you're looking at a decade later okay um, right there in Jerusalem um, right there in what we call the Holy Land now another one who is uh, also a martyr, we have really good evidence for his, his death, is St. Paul. This is a painting by Mattia Peretti. The actual painting uh, extends out a good way over here. There's a lot more going on in the painting, but in order to have up my data, I wanted to have this here. Um, Paul was killed by beheading rather than crucifixion, although Paul was a Jew. Um, he, is, he was a Roman citizen because his father was a professor at the University of Troas. And the way it worked in the Roman Empire was that if your dad gets citizenship, the whole family gets citizenship. So what that meant was that St. Paul was was entitled to a clean death, a quick death rather than a tortured death. So he was executed by beheading. Um, Of course, Paul is also called Saul of Tarsus. Um, He dies also in 66 AD in Rome, same year as St. Peter. Um, there are hints in the book of Acts and 2 Timothy that Saint Paul knew his death was coming. He was, after all, especially as he wrote those last letters, he was waiting for he, he was waiting for his trial, and he likely knew it was going to be a kangaroo court, and he was going to be executed. Um, so there are hints of these things. The book of the way the book of Acts ends, and in Second Timothy, interestingly enough, this is also widely attested outside of the Bible by people like Ignatius, Polycarp, Dionysius of Corinth. Irenaeus and Tertullian, a lot of the same names you saw for Saint Peter, and that makes sense, right? Happens in the same town in the same year. You're going to have the same witnesses. Um, And then finally, this one's a little further out. um, Probably of, of the five that I'm recounting for you this morning, the least attested, or least well attested, is Saint Thomas. Um, this is The Martyrdom of Thomas by Peter Paul Reuben. I love Reuben. There's conflicting accounts of how uh, Thomas died. Some say he was stabbed to death by his swords. Some say he was speared to a wall. Some say he was stoned to death. So Reuben um, has all three going on just to cover his bases. <laughs> um, but uh, Thomas, of course, is named, also named Didymus. That's his sort of appellation. It means he was one half of a twin. Uh, he had a twin brother someplace. He's also known as the Apostle to India. Now, he dies around 72 A.D. So he gets as far west in his desire to spread the gospel uh, as India. Uh, Thomas's symbol, he's often shown with the tools of a tradesman, a uh, mason, because he was an architect. Um, And he he used that to make a living. Most of our evidence is from oral history, but there is some written attestation uh, from the region of of his uh, death. What's interesting... Um, I believe he was killed by Hindu priests. What's in, probably the best evidence we have that he was actually killed where we think he was killed is that the church in western India, the Martoma Church, to this day uses Syriac in its worship life. Syriac is obviously the language of Syria at the time of Jesus. Um, and so this was the language Thomas knew and he carried it with him as he evangelized um, all the way to western India And they count Thomas as their founder. That's actually what the name Martoma means. It means Church of Thomas um, in Hindi. Dr. Sean McDowell, who's an apologist, says this. He says, There's a massive difference between willingly dying for the sake of the religious ideas accepted from the testimony of others, like Muslim radicals do, and willingly dying for the proclamation of a faith based on one's own eyewitness account. There's a big difference when you think about it there. Given the historical facts, if Jesus had not risen from the grave, then we are left with the extraordinarily implausible scenario that the apostles knew that Jesus remained dead, but they willingly died for a lie. That's a pretty irrational thing to believe. Dr. Michael Lacona says this, he's a historian. He says, After Jesus' death, the disciples endured persecution... And a number of them experienced martyrdom. He's, he's erring on the side of caution there. The strength of their conviction indicates that they were not just claiming Jesus had appeared to them after rising from the dead. They really believed it. They publicly, they willingly endangered themselves by publicly proclaiming the risen Christ. And it even includes people like John. John does die of old age, but that's only after he survives an attempt on his life by boiling him to death. So... Uh, it's a, they, they all went through quite a bit. We're back to the character test. We think about it this way. Of all of the original apostles, minus Judas, endures, at least endured suffering for the sake of their integrity as witnesses to the resurrection. And I think this paints them out to be people of high moral character. These are people who stepped up rather than stepping back. Um, these are people who recognize the voice of their shepherd. They knew him. They saw him. They experienced him as risen from the dead. And they followed that voice even when it meant defying others and suffering, even suffering death and torture. These are our forebears in the faith. In the medieval church they had a saying. They said, We are dwarves standing upon the shoulders of giants. And that's true. That's who we are. Few of us will be called to pay this kind of price for our integrity as Christians. But they willingly paid that price. And there's probably a good reason why. The atheist philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche, said, He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how." And they had a why. They knew that their Lord was risen. They knew that their robes were washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. They knew what it was worth to give their lives for the sake of their witness to their Lord. Jim Elliot, a modern martyr who died spreading the same faith in the 20th century, spreading it to violent tribes um, in a a sort of backwater area, said this before he died. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. They knew they had received that which they could not lose. They knew that whoever was in Jesus' hand could never be snatched away. And so they willingly gave what they could not keep for the sake of their witness to Him and to glorify His name. This same Jesus has given Himself for us to forgive our sins, to wash our robes clean, to call us to eternal life. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that You love the world, that You gave Your Son, that whoever believes in Him might not die, but have eternal life. We thank You for these early witnesses to all that You have done for our salvation through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are dwarves standing upon the shoulders of giants. We ask, O oh Lord, that you help us take bold, giant steps like they did for the sake of our faith. Lord, most of us will never be called to torture and death for the sake of our witness, but Lord, help us to be bold in other ways. Help us to not count the cost too high if we must endure ridicule, perhaps be passed over for promotion or, or be looked at askance by our closest loved ones neighbors and friends help us Lord to be bold and proclaim that truth which these martyrs died for that you are indeed risen and that you are powerful to save us these things we ask for the sake of our risen Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit one God now and forever